0: guests will come from many different backgrounds including expertise in leadership business relationships careers networking health overcoming adversity and much more every show is a dose of inspiration this is success profiles radio and now here's your host brian k wright
1: hello and welcome to success profiles radio i'm your host brian k wright it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. Recently, we got to experience Father's Day. My parents live far away from me, so we had a nice phone call. The longer my life goes on, the more important I think it is to create memories because when all is said and done, that's what we take with us. During this call, my parents mentioned that they were finally able to record a video of their four-year-old dog eating soft-serve ice cream. I've seen this in person a couple times, so I was really excited to see the video. While we were on the phone, they emailed it to me. I downloaded it on my computer, then I posted it on Facebook so we could all watch it at the same time. It was probably the most fun we've had together on the phone in a really long time. So let me ask you this. What can you do this week to create a long-lasting memory with someone else? I encourage you to do whatever that is this week. You will be very glad you did. And with this in mind, I'd like to introduce my very special guest. His name is Arjuna Ardal. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Arjuna Ardal has a passionate interest in spiritual awakening and has since the age of 14. He began to practice meditation and yoga at that time. In his late teens, he trained as a meditation teacher. Presently, Arjuna is an awakening coach, writer, and public speaker. The author of nine books, including the number one national bestseller, The Translucent Translucent Revolution. His latest book is Conscious Man, co-authored with John Gray, who will be on my show in a few weeks. He's trained more than 1,100 facilitators of awakening since 1995 and has been working with people, both individually and in organizations, since 1983. Arjuna has been a speaker at conferences all over the world. He's appeared on television, on the radio and in print media in 12 different countries. We will discuss all of this and so much more in today's show. And with all this in mind, here is my very special guest, Arjuna Ardaw. Arjuna, how are you?
2: Very well, thank you. Nice to be with you.
1: Nice to have you here too. This is going to be a fun, fun show. So I the first so. question Yeah, the first question I ask everybody is, tell us about your background, your backstory, how you got started, maybe some things that you overcame along the way, and what brought you to where you are right now.
2: All right. Well, I think, you know, the, sim- the very simple and honest answer to how I got started was suffering. <laughs> S-U-F-F-E-R-I-N-G, with a capital S. Uh, I was born into a fairly dysfunctional family in the 1950s, you know. Um, there was suicide in my family and mental illness. So yeah. by the time I got to be a teenager uh, and I could compare my lot with other people, I realized, whoa, you know, I've got, I've got a hand of twos and threes here, you know uh and uh i realized unless i did something drastic um i was going to either go crazy or commit suicide you know as many of my many of my uh, kin had done and so uh I, I realized that psychotherapy just was not a strong enough medicine I needed to find something, not just to fix myself, but to totally kind of right. obliterate myself and start again. And that was really how I got interested in what we call spirituality, because it was a—it seemed to be a more kind of thorough reboot than um, than psychotherapy.
1: Yeah. So, how do you get from a place of being suicidal to uh, awakening yourself? And I'm sure we'll talk about awakening all through this show. But how do you get yourself sure. from a place like that to? not being in a place like that for lack of a better way of asking.
2: Well, you know, the way that happens really progressively is by recognizing that not just, I mean, so obviously suicidal tendencies are a pretty big incentive, but uh really anything, any any desire, fear, whether it appears pleasurable or not, is happening in the mind, right? It's a, it's an activity in the mind or you could also say in the emotions. So you get free of that ultimately by realizing, not understanding cognitively, but realizing experientially that you are not your mind and you are not your emotions. And when you actually have a way of exploring who is is aware of the thoughts, who is aware of the feelings, who is aware of all this, you wake up to who you are that's not the thoughts and not the feelings. And that actually has been traditionally, it's been the quest of every mystic in every tradition, every culture, but it's actually very accessible to everybody to discover who you are beyond the fluctuations of thought and reactive feeling.
1: Mm, Wow. That's, Mm -hmm. That's so fascinating. So you you decided to study some of this then in your in your education
2: yeah well i mean it wasn't actually my formal education i went to a boarding school in england and i went to cambridge university but during that time yeah i got i got really uh, fascinated with the pursuit of freedom freedom of consciousness freedom from the mind and you know of course in my case because my mind was programmed in this way towards being being broken, I had a much greater incentive than uh, than other people do. Uh, so I was pretty motivated to find out for real uh, what is it that's deeper than thinking and feeling. And it actually took until I was 34 years old to really find that out for, for real. But... Um, once you find it out, you know you realize it's been there all along, <laughs> and yeah. it's quite different than what we thought. It's, we, are, we are different than we believed ourselves to be. We are not actually bound to this story of a separate individual. So that's the meaning of awakening. It's, I know it sounds very highfalutin and kind of esoteric, but it's actually, I would say it's the kind of key to sanity, really, yeah. to have some distance from your mind.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like awakening is an evolving process then? I mean, there's really no point of really truly arriving, correct?
2: I think that's very true. Yeah, it's very true. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's a little bit like love. You know, you can't ever say that you've come to the edge of love. You've completely fully mastered love, and now you're going to take up golf instead. Uh, however much you love, you can always love more. And being awake, living awake is actually uh, something that can always go deeper.
1: Absolutely. So, tell us how this book, Conscious Men, happened. What made you decide to write this?
2: Right. Well, I first met John Gray in 1977. Wow. uh, Which which is almost 40 years ago, I think, if I'm calculating correctly. I first met John Gray in 1977, because this was part of my quest for awakening. I had Uh, joined up with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi of Transcendental Meditation fame. He was the teacher to the Beatles and I was very young. In 1977 I was 20 and I was becoming a teacher of Transcendental Meditation and John Gray at that time was the personal secretary to Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So that's how I met John Gray. We'll wind the clock forward many many years and eight years ago I met John again because we were in the same men's group in Marin County, California and um so we, we were part of this men's group together now he was the author of men are from mars women are from venus and i was right. you know doing my doing my thing i was the author of translucent revolution so we were in this men's group of, of all of the men in the men's group were somehow writers or teachers or thinkers and um so The men's group meets in Marin County, but I live in Eastern California, about two and a half hours away. I live um, in the mountains. And um, so sometimes I can drive down to my men's group and drive back in the same night. But often that feels like too much. You know, frequently that feels like uh, overkill, you know. So I sent one time I I was feeling tired and I sent an email to my men's group saying, uh, does somebody have a place for me to stay? And uh, I got a mail back saying, yeah, you, from John, saying you can stay with me. So I went to stay with John, and after the men's group, we sat around in his kitchen having tea. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And we started to talk about our men's group and then men's groups in general and then men. We looked up at the clock. It was 2.30 in the night. We'd been talking for four and a half hours. And then the next month, I stayed with him again, and we had a similar conversation. The next month, I said, look, we're, ha- we're saying a lot of things in these conversations about men that are quite original, so why don't we think about recording it? He said, that's a great idea. So the next month, we recorded it, and we've been doing that. We, we, Altogether, we recorded about 40 hours of conversations, and that, really be- that, that conversation became the book.
1: That is but so fascinating.
2: That's the story. <laughs>
1: Wow. And that, that was really brilliant what you did just to start recording the conversations because I'm sure you were able to mine a lot of wisdom from those things. I mean, when you, when you have conversations with people, you remember the gist of what you talked about, but you may not remember exactly what you said. And recording it exactly. was a really brilliant way of, of archiving that. So fantastic. Yes, exactly. That's great.
2: Well, so, you know, that's we, a great point because I, I actually, I, just, I was going to just jam on that for a second because I, I appreciate sure. you picking up on that. that you know, by, I I mean, this thing with men is really, I think, something of a hobby for us. I mean, John's main focus is on intimate relationship, you know, gender things. And and my main focus is on awakening coaching. And what I primarily do, uh, Brian, is I I train people, or coach people to be brilliant. I I coach people to cultivate radical brilliance. Mm. And um, that's actually one of the important keys I tell people is never go anywhere without a voice recorder handy because it's Murphy's law that when you don't have a voice recorder with you that's when you're going to have the most fascinating conversation you wish you had recorded so now I travel everywhere with a voice recorder and if I'm talking to somebody interesting in a cafe or something I'll just say hey this may sound crazy but do you mind if I run the recorder because I'm sure that I'm sure that if I don't we're going to, you know, we're going to regret that we didn't capture some of this. So every time I have an original conversation with someone, I record it and uh it uh it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and as long as no one is freaked out by it. I mean, I'm sure it's in the way that you ask to. but uh yeah, I mean, certainly if if you're looking for material for a book, I would think that people would not object, especially if you ask permission first. So Well, exactly.
2: Especially particularly if it's a formal interview.
1: Exactly. My very special guest this week is Arjuna Ardao, and the book that we're talking about this week is called Conscious Men, which he co-authored with John Gray. We will discuss this book in depth when we return from our break, and we talked about his background as an awakening coach. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. This is unlike any uh, show that we've done before, so I'm looking forward to experimenting and learning uh, more about this topic along with all of you, so stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back.
0: to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? Smartguy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves the smart guy. SmartGuy.com. This is the TokiNet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge.
1: Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep?
0: Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Arjuna Ardow. He is the co-author of the book, Conscious Men. And we talked a little bit about how he met his co-author, John Gray, in the last segment and how he uh, and John arrived at the material in this book. So let's talk about the title of your book. Uh, what exactly does it mean to be a conscious man?
2: Well, that's a great question. Uh, actually, it's, it's right there in the words. You know, to be, It means to be a man, obviously, but in a, in a way that's conscious rather than automatic. So, um, Let's go back, Brian, let's go back like 50 years or sure. a little longer uh, where men and women both had their roles pretty well carved out for them. You know, And a man knew his place. He, it was to uh, be a provider, to go to war, to... Uh, Go and do a job he probably didn't like. He would come home in the evening and eat the food that his wife had cooked for him. He probably had relatively less contact with his with his children than his wife did, you know. And he would probably struggle along like that until he was sixty something, get a golden handshake, and soon afterwards he would die, you know. And that's that's what a lot of us are used to is the kind of enduring man who does his duty, but really is pretty shut down emotionally and. Not in touch with himself and probably not very happy. And I think you know many of us look to our fathers and grandfathers to see what what I'm talking about. So in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a revolution, primarily for women, where women started to demand uh, that they should be able to do the same jobs that men had been doing. Um, that, that women that demand the same roles that, that that men have been doing but men also went through a transition men you know a lot of men grew their hair long started to feel their feelings more you know that men became slightly more feminized uh, and um, and and so that created a second kind of masculinity now, which was in contrast to the macho stereotype I just described. And the second kind of masculinity is the feminized man, the man who's very in touch with his feelings, who can talk a lot about his feelings, who's, you know, more, more of a kind of, uh, yeah, a, a man who's really leaned much more towards the feminine. Now, in a way, that seemed like a balance, but of course it created another kind of imbalance because a, a feminized man generally... You know, he's not so protective. He's not so on target. He's more distracted and and so on. So it's not very satisfying either. The third kind of masculinity is more of a learned, cultured, you know, idea of how a man should be. And there have been many books come out, you know, about superior masculinity, better masculinity, you know, how you should be a man. So that the third kind of masculinity would be a man who's really being a man according to what he thinks a man should look like. Now, the fourth kind of masculinity is what our book is about, which is conscious, which means that you're not you're not following a stereotype. You're not in reaction to the stereotype. You're not following a formula. You're actually living your masculinity more as an art form more as a gift. And it's a masculinity that can be lived without regret. You know, I mean, and I think John and I wrote this book probably with some confidence because I think we both feel. To some degree, we are living that way. We're, we're, we're living as men in the way that we want to live, that we choose to live. And as a result, you know, we've both got wives who are very satisfied. We've got children who feel very loved. We've got students and readers who feel well served. Because it, it requires actually to be a man through conscious choice rather than conditioning. And that requires to understand your biology, to understand your conditioning, and then, to rise above it, and to make conscious choices about the kind of man you want to be in the world yeah that's, boom, did that answer I'm sorry? Did i 'm sorry I said boom, did that answer your question okay yes,
1: it did yes, it did guess... that 's very interesting, so let me ask this because in order to uh, reach the 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 awakening as a conscious man, you must by definition discover your your mission and your purpose. you have to know. Why you're here. So how do you help someone discover that?
2: Well that's a great question, Brian. You know, and the thing is it's I think it's one thing it's important to realize is this is a very contemporary problem. Uh wanting to know what is your mission and purpose. For thousands of years, men did not have that problem. They knew what their mission and purpose was because it was governed by society. If, if you go back a few hundred years, if your father was a baker, you became a baker. You didn't have much choice about it. If your father was a king, you became the king. You know, you just followed along in what society determined for you. And you didn't really think too much about what do I want to do with my life. So this, this uh, dilemma that men face today, and it's more a dilemma for men than for women. Women have the same choice, but I'll explain why in a minute. It's more of a dilemma for men. Mm. Um, so a man today is faced with this huge array of options. You know, if he, he goes to a college or university and sees the array of courses offered to him, it's like overwhelming. So, um, so a man looks at all these options and goes, Oh, I don't know what to do. So, and therefore we've got all these courses now offered about, you know, find your mission, find your purpose, find your gift. Nobody wrote books about that 50 years ago. And for that, I mean, I studied English literature at university and, um, Sociology, and nobody was thinking about that you know for for hundreds and hundreds of years there, there was no dialogue about what is my true purpose. This is a very recent thing, and it 's because we have so much freedom of choice that freedom of choice is a blessing because you can do what you want it 's also a dilemma because it creates panic in many people. the panic of you know what do I really want to do with my life
1: yeah, yeah, and I think the the integral question is, who am I? I have a really good friend who I, I look to mm. as a mentor, and I was in a very, uh, uh, a place in my life a few years ago where I just felt like things just were not going my way. And so he and I had several very deep and serious conversations. And the question he asked over and over again is, who am I? I mean, Brian, yeah. you need to ask yourself this, who am I? It was yeah. painful, it was right. difficult, because a lot of times your answers are very surfacey, very, very, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Superficial, and he encouraged me to dig deeper, and it was not fun. <laughs> yeah, but but as you start peeling back the layers, and if you were willing to do that work on yourself, the rewards can be really fantastic. Have you found Incredible. that to be the case?
2: Absolutely, and you know, Brian, I think that is actually probably the ultimate question. There is no question more fundamental than that, because you're right; it does go through layers, and that's actually the core question of awakening coaching. If you strip back the layers enough you get to the very deepest, the ultimate answer to that question of who am I, which is basically the nature of awareness itself. Because in this moment, you know, if you ask who am I, of course there's the story, you know, well, I'm a plumber from, you know, Wisconsin and blah, blah, blah. But that's all story. But, and obviously that doesn't ultimately define who you are. But in this moment, sounds are being heard, body sensations are being felt, things are being seen. So the ultimate answer to the question of who am I is who is experiencing all of that. And when we discover who is experiencing all of that, that is actually the meaning of of waking up, to discover your true nature as awareness. And And this is like way beyond where you expect that question can take you. But if you really drill deep enough, you discover that who you really are is so much beyond anything that the mind can come up with.
1: Absolutely. What, what do you think are some of the factors that determine who we become?
2: Well, obviously, one important factor is intention. Um, mm. What—that's one important factor—is you become what you intend. You know, I mean, in the same way, if you eat uh, at McDonald's every day, you're going to become obese and probably somewhat unhealthy excuse me I hope you're not a McDonald's fan but you know uh, I think you get the gist if you eat right exactly if you eat if you only drink juice every day you're gonna become very healthy and very thin you know Uh, so obviously if you drink a bottle of whiskey every day you're gonna become an alcoholic so Obviously, what you put into your body physically is what you become physically. Well, equally, whatever you intend, whatever you set your intention on is what you become. If you, if you practice a lot of meditation, you're going to become very meditative. If you, be, if you practice loving a woman deeply, you're going to become a loving man. If you practice looking after your kids and being present with your kids, you're going to become a loving father. So one important element of who you become is whatever you focus on. But another element of who you become, I think has more to do with stripping away, stripping away what you're not. So that, see, I'm a big believer in, you know, I'm a big believer in letting go. I think you get you get a lot further in life by letting go than by making effort. And uh, this is probably a little contrary to mainstream American culture, which is very kind of go, 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 you know, mentality. But I've noticed in my coaching practice, when people learn to relax and let go and get curious about their innate natural gifts, then you enter into a realm of success that is spontaneous and effortless. And you start to be successful because of who you are. And that's the kind of success, you know, when, I'm, when I am most in touch with my natural successes when I'm on vacation. I go on vacation with my wife, and we, you know, the first day we sleep a lot and, uh, and chill. And then right. after a day or two, we, we get more and more relaxed, more and more kind of, you know, um, energized, and we start taking walks on the beach. And that's where my best ideas come. That's when I really feel like, wow, I've got something to give when I'm really rested. And that's success that comes from relaxing into your innate abilities and talents rather than striving after some, trying to create something.
1: Wow, that's, that's really fantastic. We've got about a minute and a half to the break. Let's just talk real briefly about some of the roadblocks that may prevent us from being truly awakened.
2: Sure. Well, uh, the biggest roadblock really is an unexamined life, You know, is, is following the things you've been told to follow, desiring the things you've been told to desire. I mean, the obvious examples in our culture are money and fame. Uh, everybody's been told that that's what you should want, money and fame. If you actually do the research, you'll find that rich and famous people are actually mostly less happy than the average person. It's, mm. a, it's a booby prize, you know, money and fame. Um, there's been a huge amount of research done, on this. maybe after the break we can, we can talk a bit about the, the, the research that uh, has yeah. been done on this.
1: Sounds fantastic. We are talking with my very, very special guest, Arjuna Ardahl. He is uh, the co-author, along with John Gray, of the book Conscious Men. And we are talking about discovering your mission and purpose. We're talking about how important it is to ask who you are. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And this is something that I've mentioned on the show more than once. And we're talking about things that can impact who we are. And intention certainly is key among them. We will come back after the break. And I'll ask my very special guest, to talk about the importance of meditation and overall development. I know a lot of people are very much into this, and I'll ask him if there's a right way and a wrong way to do it and the importance of it, and we'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us.
0: Motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama,
1: or Thailand? Juna, our Dao, and we were talking about the book Conscious Man, and before the break, we were discussing potential roadblocks that prevent us from being truly awakened, and you mentioned some research that you wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah, well, we were talking about, you were asking me about what gets in the way, and I was saying, you know, one of the main thing that main things that get in the way, not only of an awake life, but a fulfilled life, is chasing after the things we've been told to chase after. You know, we've been oftentimes we've been conditioned you should want this you should want that we've been told you should want a better car you should want you know all kinds of things and and kind of the deepest and most resilient of these desires is being told you should want more money and you should want more fame and more power and that goes so deep it's kind of unquestionable of course you should want more money of course you should want more power that's the definition of success you see but now there is more and more research happening uh, the best work done on this is martin seligman at the center for positive psychology at penn state university but equally research is done by dr oliver james in London, England, england the research has been able to demonstrate that actually money fame and well-being they operate on a bell curve so in other words if you're supposing you're making twenty five thousand a year for fairly low income and your your income goes up to thirty thousand your well-being will increase. If you go from 35 to 40, it will increase. When you get to about, in England, it's about 50,000 pounds a year. Here, it's about $100,000, and the difference is because of uh, they have nationalized healthcare care there. So, so in this country, when you get to about 100,000 a year, the bell curve levels off. In other words, if you go from earning 150 to 175,000 a year, there's no difference in your well-being. But, but they've measured this with a 22-point with measurement of well-being. But the, here's the thing you would never expect. After it gets to a certain point, the bell curve starts to drop off the other side. In other words, if you go from making $2 million to $2.2 million, research has demonstrated your well-being will probably go down. In other words, more likelihood of drug addiction, more stress, more likelihood of divorce, all the all the the, the qualities of, a, of 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 a, an un, of an unhappy life, and you know there are people who won the lottery. You've probably heard this. People won the lottery, won millions. They end up suing the state because winning the lottery was such a bad thing to happen. You see, so wow. this is this is the big myth to pop. We've been fed the idea. We've all of us been fed the idea from you know it starts with those magazines at the checkout at the grocery store. We've been fed the idea that if you have more money, more fame, more Gl- glittery stuff you're going to be happier and it's basically untrue so that's one of the main things that gets in the way is, un- is n- no longer questioning what really causes fulfillment and what actually causes fulfillment there's also research on that is connection with your family time to rest and c- recuperate time in nature you know, having the, the space to be grateful for your life, having the opportunity to be of service to other people—these are the things that actually cause well-being and that actually allow you to feel success, not to be successful in a sort of, you know, objective measurement, but to actually feel successful, to actually feel like, yes, I love my life. I'm so yeah. glad that I. You know, that—that's the real measure of success—is that you can breathe a sigh one day and say, yes, I lived it all. I lived fully.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of many things uh, that causes us to feel fulfilled or successful is the idea of having a successful relationship, and that comes from listening deeply. You talk about that concept of listening deeply. Describe what that means
2: to us. Yeah, you know, it's one of the qualities that men really um, kind of benefit from focusing on as as a practice as a discipline because as men we are very oriented towards fixing things so if somebody descri- if somebody if your wife for example shares a problem with you a man as a man you're probably going to try and find a solution to fix it because that's how we are we want to fix stuff so um actually a man can learn to just to listen and to empathize like oh tell me more about that how did that feel okay how's that and then we realize that that actually not only women but You know, but children and other people, I mean other men, actually benefit a lot just from being heard. Just from being heard, this is what you experience. So listening is not something that comes automatic or easy to all men. But once we learn how to practice listening as a discipline, it's incredibly valuable and helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What is the Venus talk
2: the Venus Talk is actually that's yeah, great. The Venus Talk is um, a practice you can do where you invite your partner. This is, but you know, for a heterosexual man who lives with a woman. Not, not, you know, obviously that's not everybody, but where you invite your partner, uh, your woman, to just to speak about what she's feeling. And in the book, we list certain particular feelings that are important, like uh, embarrassment, frustration disappointment you know these are these are common feelings that people have in the day uh, you invite your partner to speak about feelings and you simply practice listening so the man simply practices active listening active listening means not just being silent but to say oh really tell me more how did that feel to to practice listening with questions that allow her to feel heard and to show that you're interested now The important thing about the Venus talk, which is perhaps counterintuitive these days because of the blending of genders, is oftentimes both men and women, particularly women, think that we should then reciprocate. So if if he listens to her for 10 minutes, it's only fair that she listen to him for 10 minutes. But actually, you can do that. There's no problem with doing that. But actually, what we discover is that a man relaxes more deeply into his masculinity, into his manhood, into feeling good about himself simply by listening. He doesn't really have to talk about his feelings in return and a woman actually is nourished by being able to talk about her feelings, it's not necessary for her to listen to him. So this is the Venus talk, it's kind of an imbalanced thing where she talks for 10 minutes, he listens and they don't switch roles.
1: Interesting, interesting, that's fascinating. So let me ask about meditation. I teased this before our last break. How important is meditation to our overall uh, development, and is there a specific way that you suggest that we we do this?
2: Sure. Well, you know, meditation can be seen as something you do. You know, I practice meditation, and there are ways to do that. You can get guided recordings and so on. But ultimately, I would suggest that meditation um, is not so much something you do but it's a state of being, right? Mm. So you can, ha- you can have a meditative moment while gardening. You could have a meditative moment making love. You could have a meditative... You could- there are all sorts of ways to have a meditative moment. So what do we mean by a meditative moment? I would say that meditation as a state of being rather than a state of, a- of activity or other than something you do is where you relax into not just being aware but being awareness. And that may sound a little weird, you know, that, that sounds a little bit like what, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. being aware means I'm Joe, um, a plumber from Wisconsin, you know, still, and uh, I drive a Ford Chevy and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm Joe being aware. Being awareness means that the story of Joe and Wisconsin and the plumber Kind of recedes a little bit, and you relax into actually being something more mysterious, into being a kind of undefined presence of awareness itself. And, I, and that may sound, you know, I, I can imagine to the, you know, to many listeners that may sound like, you know, what is he talking about now? But we have those moments all the time. If you go fishing, for example, and you you cast out your line and you just sit there, there are moments when your mind just gets quiet, and when your mind gets quiet and you feel peaceful actually you don't really show up so much as a fixed point of reference anymore you become listening you become awareness and that's actually what is meant by meditation when you actually the story of me recedes a little bit and you simply become awareness you become listening you become presence and that that kind of break that break from being me that break from being the identity i'm defined with is actually the key to so many things brian it 's the key to reducing stress it 's the key to creativity it 's the key to love it 's the key to so many things. not just taking a break from you know my job, my this, my that, but actually taking a break from me right mm, not just right. taking a break from from all the things I do, but taking a break from from the, the kind of tight t shirt of being me. And that's really the, the, the meaning of meditation is you take a little break from the identity that you get so glued to.
1: Okay. All right. That's, that's great. So let's talk about embracing emotions. You talked a little bit about uh, owning, owning our masculinity, and, and we are socialized to hmm. be tough, not show others how we feel. There's a difference between feeling your emotions and being owned by them, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really – I think that's a key – difference we can recognize between masculine and feminine energy and therefore to some degree between men and women is when a man experiences an emotion and observes it he observes the emotion passing through and therefore he's able to learn the lesson from the emotion he actually relaxes more deeply into himself he feels more grounded in himself so he feels anger he notices the anger pass. If he's successful in not acting upon the anger, but relaxes into being that which is aware of the anger, which is awareness, if he relaxes into being awareness, notices the anger pass, and then is able to ask himself, What am I angry about? What is it what is what is this feeling teaching me? He becomes he relaxes more into himself, he trusts himself more, he becomes more stable. That does not work for a woman or for the feminine part of us. For a woman, it's the opposite. A woman, actually, if if a feeling comes, if she has the freedom to go fully into a feeling temporarily, to just actually enter into it and let it take her over, it won't happen, it won't last for very long but it will spit her out into love. You see, if a woman can just really feel anger fully, really feel grief fully, if a woman can really cry when she's sad and let it take her over like she's surfing a wave, it it, it, it yields her into love. And this is a big difference between men and women is the way that they react to feelings. Okay. Yeah,
1: you, you talked about anger just a second ago, and I think that's a very interesting component to this, too, because it is very natural to be angry. Uh, mm. But if we can transform our anger into somehow being more aware or more present, that's great. I love what you just said about, huh, this is interesting. I wonder why I'm upset. What is this teaching me? What can I learn from this? Uh, yeah. Is that is that basically the, the process that you
2: teach people? That's part of it. That's definitely a big part of it is Is to be able to notice emotion and to ask the question, you know, cognitively, what is, the, what is the lesson in this? And that's, that's one of the important differences between a man and a woman's biology. That does not work for most women. That's going to feel repressive to a woman. It's going to feel grounding to a man. Now, of course, well, we, we can talk more about this after the break, but it's important, you know, in, in this age where we want to give men and women equal opportunity to express themselves, which is good, we don't want to completely smudge the essential differences between men and women, because that, that's just not serving anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are coming up on our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. My very special guest this week is Arjuna Ardao. He is the co-author of the book Conscious Man, along with John Gray. And we're, we were talking about embracing emotions. We were talking about the role of anger and how we can help ourselves become aware. We talked about the importance of meditation as a, as a state of being. I've never heard it expressed fully like that before. So I found that to be very, very fascinating. And of course, we talked about listening deeply. We will discuss so much more after the break. And, And Arjuna does have some coaching programs. I'll ask him how he started his coaching business and about some of the coaching programs that he has. And then I'll ask him some get to know you kinds of questions that are a little unrelated to this topic. And we will come right back after the break. Stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio.
3: In the small town of Southport, Colorado, there is only one garage where you can bring your car for service. This lubricorium is aptly named the only garage. The Wall Street Journal recently reported some other unique business names. There's a laundromat called the found sock. One hairdresser named her styling salon Curl Up and Die. A pub owner named his business the Deja Brew. And there's a wine store called Planet of the Grapes. What's the word for people who hop from one bar to another? Papa Kudos to the owner of a doggy boutique who chose to name it Indiana Bones Temple of Groom. And my personal favorite, a flower shop called Florist Gump. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
1: And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Arjuna Ardao. He is the co-author of the book Conscious Men, along with John Gray. And I want to ask something else. Uh, Let's talk about having a sense of humor uh, within Hmm. the scheme of being awakened. Is that something that can be coached or learned?
2: Yeah, well, actually, um, having a sense of humor is actually more to do with being a conscious man than awakening. Um, You know, we asked women when we did the research of the book, we asked women what do you, you know, what do you most appreciate or, 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 or love about, about a conscious man? And um, you might have thought, you know, his mission and purpose, his presence, but actually the thing that women said most was, that he makes me laugh. Uh, that's what women most seem to appreciate about a man, is he makes me laugh. So, uh, yes, men definitely can do things to, uh, to engender that more. There's, I mean, there's very obvious things, but... A man can learn not just how to be funny, because there are ways that we can be funny with each other as men that is not remotely funny to women, right? Right. So um, we can learn to be, we can learn actually what it takes to give the gift of humor to a woman. And there's lots of different kinds of humor. And we talk about that in the book, you know, how you can consciously and deliberately cultivate uh, humor that is a gift, humor that opens hearts.
1: Yeah. And while we're thinking about it, where can we find your book and learn more about you? And I'll give you a chance to talk about this at the end, of course, again.
2: Sure. Well, you can find it on Amazon uh, and you can find it in Barnes and Noble and you can find it on Kindle and iTunes and all those places. But um, also, uh, we do have a website, ConsciousMen.com, and there's a five-day free mini course there consciousmen.com. You can go there, take a five-day mini course, and uh, you know you don't even have to buy the book. You can just take get five days for free.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's very generous. Uh, I know that coaching is a huge part of what you do, Arjuna. So tell us how you started your coaching business.
2: Well, you know, um, I've actually been training coaches for well, really since 1986, although I didn't call it coaching that far back. But I've 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 owned a school since 1986 in one way or another, mm. and um, and in fact, funnily enough, I'm just uh, I'm just divesting myself of that now. After how many years is that since 86? I think it's 30 years. Yeah. I'm actually um, I'm actually letting go of the school now. So I do coach people one on one. One of one of the c- kinds of coaching I do is conscious men coaching. I coach men to cultivate these quali- qualities. But I've trained, actually, I think the biography you had sounded a little out of date. My, I've trained almost 2,000 coaches now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, the, the method that I developed is called awakening coaching. And I've, 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 we have graduates in, uh, in just about every country on the planet, I believe, by now.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So tell us about your conscious man coaching and training. Based, it's based on the book, Right.
2: Yeah. So the conscious man coaching training, we just finished one. We'll start another one in the fall. The conscious man coaching training trains men to uh, to coach other men to bring out their more conscious masculinity so that your masculinity is no longer just, you know, automatic or biologically dictated. Your masculinity becomes more of a consciously given gift that can be felt by those around you. I mean, a, a gift, the definition of a gift is something you give to others. You know, when you when you, give the gift of a, when you give a gift at Christmas, uh, it, the, the, the success of the gift is not measured by you, but the, by the person you're giving the gift to. Right. Well, in the same way, when your masculinity becomes a gift, the, the success, the effectiveness of the gift is really measured by your woman, your children, the people who are impacted by you. Wow,
1: that's great. Well, how about your Deeper Love training? Because that's a different program that you offer. That's for couples?
2: Yeah, well, you've done your research, haven't you? Yeah, actually, that's not available right now. We're just uh, repackaging that. But yeah, that's that's an online course for couples and singles, both, in how to live relationship more as a practice, more as a practice of bringing that awakening, that kind of vast consciousness, that kind of, you know, Love that 's bigger than me into relationship oftentimes you know we think that we have problems in relationship because of dysfunctional behavior, but very often we have problems in relationship actually because we are just living in within a kind of confined space of me, you know the little me, little me with my thoughts and desires and fears, and because we live in this kind of small world of me you know. Eh, then however well-intentioned you are, it's just too small and constrained. So, and that's often why relationship is, becomes difficult, because we're too glued to the fluctuations of the personality. So the deeper love helps you to enter into relationship from a more expansive space where you can, you can feel the, the bigger love, the deeper love, the bigger awareness. And actually, for my wife and I, we've discovered that almost everything good about our marriage comes not from trying to be a good person, but from letting go of the grip of the personality and allowing something, something to move through you that is more mysterious. And, you, you know, you feel this. I mean, I think oftentimes you feel this when you, uh, when you have a newborn baby. And you look in yeah. the eyes of a new, newborn baby when you're first a mother or a father. You're not trying to be a good person. You're not being on best behavior. You're just melted. And You look in the eyes of a baby and it's like, oh, oh you're just melted. You don't, you don't have to make any effort to be a loving parent in those moments. And equally, I mean, I mean, we get a glimpse of this when you fall in love, when you're first in love. You don't have to try and cultivate that. It just comes naturally. Well, actually, the most important thing about building a strong relationship, in my opinion, is not to try and cultivate behaviors but to learn how to relax into that bigger love that takes you over where you can actually relax and surf it. And, you know, and you experience this in sex, if you don't mind me talking about sex on your show. Is that okay? Sure. (laughs) Um, you experience that in sex and you I mean, if you imagine if you went into sex, like trying to do it right and kind of studying a manual or be awful, you know, I mean, at a certain point, sex is beautiful because it takes you over and there are waves of just, you know, just. Energy that take you over, and then you ha- then you have a fantastic sexual experience when you let go and relax, and something that's not your will is kind of moving the body. And so, in the same way, I think relationship really flows best when you can tap into something bigger and more universal than just your personal uh, identity with being this person, with these thoughts and these desires and these fears.
1: Wow, that's great. So we've got about five or six minutes to the end. At this point, I'd like Mm -hmm. to do a little bit of a pivot and ask some questions that are maybe a little off topic. I love getting to know my guest. So let me ask you, Arjuna, what is the scariest thing you've ever done?
2: Oh, there was an Italian girl uh, that I knew when I was about 23. And she was so insanely beautiful. I was living in a community, actually. We, it was kind of an intentional community. That time it was back in the early 70s, and I think, mid 70s. She was so intensely beautiful. I was terrified of her. If I just saw her, I would drop a tray, you know. Uh, and uh, and one day I actually braced myself and I I, I went I, I I kind of decided okay I'm going to ask her out. And she was working in this kitchen. So it was a community place. She was working in the kitchen. So she went into the changing rooms. And I kind of followed her in there, you know, just I wasn't really thinking too hard. So I walked into the changing rooms to ask her out. And there she was getting changed. She was stark naked. Oh, my. It was kind of, it was a sort of, you know, bit of a hippie community, you know. And I think that was the scariest thing I've ever done. I was, I was, I just couldn't speak. I was, you know, standing in front of this girl that I've been in love with for for months. I was, ah, couldn't speak. That was probably the scariest moment of my life. I think most of my scariest moments have been to do with putting out, you know, Stepping out and um, telling somebody I really like them or telling you know, feeling very attracted to a girl and telling her I like her. I think that's been more scary for me than jumping off buildings or bungee cord jumping or anything. It's just being raw with my feelings and my vulnerability.
1: Yeah, I, and as I was just going to say, vulnerability is is huge. Anytime you allow yourself to be vulnerable in front of someone yeah. else. Uh, yeah. You know, there are two ways it can go. It either go really, really well, or it could go really, really bad. But in the end, it's exactly. not the end of the world if it doesn't yeah. go well, because there's always another opportunity to write yourself again.
2: Well, you know, I've jumped out of airplanes. I've done all that stuff. I've done bungee jumping. I've done, you know, I've done all the, all the obviously scary things. But for me, nothing made my heart pound as fast as being emotionally vulnerable and telling someone I was, as I liked them. I wanted to get closer. You know, particularly a woman. When I was younger, that was, those have been all the most scary moments of my life.
1: Absolutely. So if you could give advice to the 18 year old version of yourself, what would you tell him?
2: Um, to not hold back your love. You know, if you, if you feel love for somebody, attraction for somebody, if you like somebody put it out, you know, and, and, and you don't, there's no, there's no required outcome. Just, just be generous with your love. And that's actually that's actually the best way to live a good life. Is just put it out there and uh, tell people when you when they light up your life.
1: That's awesome. What are you most proud of?
2: My fathering. I've raised two boys. Um, I was not. I didn't have a father really. He was not present. And when I first learned I was going to be a father, I was terrified. I thought I would, there's no way that this could be anything but disaster. And actually, it's turned out great. Both my sons are thriving. They both are very. Grateful to me for the way they were fathered, and I feel that's been my greatest triumph. That's awesome.
1: So, here's the question I ask everyone at the end of the show Argina. who inspires and motivates you?
2: My wife. My wife is the most uh, enlightened, loving, conscious, humble, funny, beautiful, crazy person I've ever met, and I absolutely adore her. And she's really, she, uh, I feel continuously, totally blessed to be married to this woman.
1: That's fantastic. One more time. Where can we find your book? How can we learn more about you and join your tribe?
2: Great. Consciousmen.com. Come along, come on by to conscious All the goodies are there.
1: And that's men, M-E-N, Consciousmen.com.
2: Consciousmen.com. yeah.
1: All right, free fantastic.
2: Stuff. Can't beat free stuff. No,
1: no, there's no better savings than free. Absolutely. <laughs> We've got about a minute and a half to the end.
2: Any final words of wisdom for us? Wow, putting me on the spot. Um Well, I think, you know, it's uh, I think it's actually important now and then to realize the time in which we live. You know, it's uh, it's easy to see this as a scary time, as a chaotic time, as a, you know, a time to be afraid of terrorism and politicians and everything. But it's also an incredibly wonderful time. I mean, things have never been so. Uh, flexible and, 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 and malleable and, and, and there, there's just so many opportunities today to explore your fullest potential and to discover for real what success means, not what you've been spoon-fed that success should look like, but to really discover what success means on your own terms. For me, being successful as a man is mostly to do with the way that I fathered and the way that I love my wife. That's, that, for me, is the best measurement of success. And I think it's important for everybody to find out what does it mean for you to be successful on your own terms, not in other people's terms.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Arjana, for being on the show. I really appreciate you.
2: Mm, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Great. This has been Success Profiles Radio. We're on every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview the most successful people in the world and learn about their journey, what they overcame, and how they succeeded and the lessons we can learn. You can get our Jonas book at ConsciousMen.com. Join his tribe, go on his website, and learn more about him and get the book on Amazon or anywhere you'd like. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye.